Today, what I want to look at is really the importance of living from the assurance and the confidence that God is in us, with us, among us, that he inhabits us all time. Whether we feel it or not feel it, that is true. Shall I repeat that? The assurance and the confidence that God is in us, with us, among us, that he inhabits us all time, whether we feel it or not feel it. And we, we, we're going to see how that's going to transform the way we see things. So you see, um, uh, obviously, you know our, our worship leader uh, here sometimes, right? When I turn up as a worship leader on Sunday morning, I am not wondering if God's going to be there. I just expect he's there because I know he's with me and he wants to bless us. And he does say, when one and two uh, gather in my name in unity, I am in the midst of them. So I never turn out on a Sunday morning thinking, oh, I wonder if Jesus will come in the praise of his people this morning. No, I know he will. I'm turning up with the expectation I know I'm going to meet him even great in a greater way. Yeah? When I'm waking up in the morning, okay, that's every day, I am not going to say, hmm, I wonder if God is for me today. I'm go- I wonder if he's with me today. I'm confident he is. Yes? So this is the mindset we need, the habitation versus uh, visitation. So what I'm going to do now is play what Graham Cook said about it. It's like exactly six minutes, so it's very short. just want you to relax, even close your eyes, and just take it in, and then I will unpack what, it, what that means, yeah? Right, I've done a little bit of sum- a summary from what we just heard. It was really about going away from the language of custom of visitation. That means we're no longer passively waiting for things to happen, or learn to beg out of helpless, helplessness. It's that kind of mentality to go for actually for we are sons and daughters who partner with me, with God, out of a right relationship with God. That's what uh, the prophetic word is about. It's about living from the fullness of Christ, uh, aligned and in agreement to Christ in us. It's about letting Christ in us produce maturity in us. Okay? And this is really important. That's the only way we are going to be able to reach the nations. So that's to summarize the prophetic word. Like you're going to tell me, but what does that mean really? So I'm trying to dig out a little bit and give you some pointers in there. Okay. You see, I think that often we are stuck in a visitation mindset because we have not learned all the benefit that comes with the gospel. So what happened is we got saved through Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We believe that Jesus died on the cross. But our relationship with God has kind of still remained in the kind of Old Testament thinking. Like God is distant. He's somewhere over there. Not Christ in us. And the benefit that the gospel will wants to bring to us. Yeah? There's an excellent quote here of Graham Cook again, who said the Old Testament culture was a visitation culture. That means God came on people for a purpose when the New Testament is an habitation culture where the principal intention is to form Christ in us and empower us to abide in the presence of God. So in effect, 
you always have the presence of God with you. Okay? You see, this shift from the Old Testament to the New Testament is not a new thing. It's a biblical thing. It's a gospel thing. It's a real thing. It's not a fad or a new revelation. No, it's God's intention for us that we live from the reality of Christ in us. It's only when we really understand the gospel message for us that we will see God's kingdom come to his fullness and that we will see him touch the nations. That's why it's so important for us to make that shift. Okay? So let me dig a little bit deeper because we might look at me and say, what do you mean Old Testament, New Testament? What has changed? Yeah? So I did a little bit of digging for you, yeah? And I hope it's going to be really clear. (laughs) All right. So the difference between a visitation mindset and an habitation mindset can be retraced to the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament and what Jesus has accomplished for for us on the cross. So if we look at God's presence itself, God's presence is very different in the Old Testament and the New Testament, like we just described. So in the Old Testament, God's presence is temporary. God's presence is on, on few chosen people because they have a mission to accomplish. So you have the old prophet, the kings, and they have a mission to do, and they have Moses, and you have David, the, you know, the kind of people that God has chosen for a specific purpose. Yeah? Even Israel is not in direct contact with God. You know, at some point they get a tabernacle and God chooses to reside in that tabernacle and only the priest will go once a year to talk with God. Yes, that's the Old Testament. God's presence is limited. You know, sometimes they are guided by, by God more specifically, but it's in the form of uh, the smoke by day, the fire by night. Yes, it's not it's not among them, with them, you know. And that came because Moses used, said to God, you know, I don't want to go where you're not going. So he was hungry for that, the dwelling of God. There was a hunger for more there already. In the New Testament, everything has changed. Because now there's a permanent indwelling of God in us. We are born again from the Spirit. So His Spirit is in us. So God is in you, in you, and in you. It's not the same. There's no separation. We have become the temple of God. We have become the temple of God. We are all priests. We are all called to do the work Jesus did. It's not for the chosen few. So how do we know if we have the right mindset? Do we still think that, um, oh, I need to go to church to meet God? Or can I meet God anywhere, anytime? That would be a good indication if, do you still think Old Testament or New Testament? If you believe you only meet Jesus when you come to church, I bet there's a little bit of visitation mindset still in you because you're waiting for specific circumstances to actually meet God. Do you believe you only meet God if somebody pray for you? That's visitation mindset. That is not habitation mindset. Or are you growing in the awareness of God? 
Are you able every day to say, do you know what? Today, I'm more aware of his presence than I was 10 years ago. I'm learning that he's with me all the time. I'm learning that he's not with me just when I have my five-minute devotion or my quiet time. No, he's with me at work. He's with me in the bus. He's with me when I'm going to school. Can you see the shift here between visitation and habitation? Now, in the Old Testament, the relationship with God was so different too because the relationship in the Old Testament is, you know what? Obey the Ten Commandments. That's how you please God. So you have a set of rules and you please God and you found favor, you know, by obeying the rules. And when you obey God, that was a proof that you wanted to love him and therefore God would bless you. And if you didn't obey God, then you would have curses. That's how it worked in the Old Testament. And when you failed and you seen which what was happening all the time, then you had to offer a sacrifice. So you were only getting right with God by doing a sacrifice. So you were constantly checking yourself, thinking, oh, what have I done wrong? I need to now sacrifice something to get right with God. That's the Old Testament. Visitation I'm not right, I'm doing something, I'm right now. Oh, I'm not right again. Oh, I'm doing something, I'm right now. That's a visitation mindset. When the New Testament uh, come, when Jesus come, guess what? Jesus, the Lamb of God, sacrificed once for all our sins. Our past sin, our present sins, our future sins. Forever there's not going to be a need for another sacrifice. Jesus coming, the word of God, forever is with you. Forever with you. There's no need to do another sacrifice. You are a new creation. Okay? The law of Christ is written in your heart. So it's about loving him and walking with him rather than obey the rules. So how do you know if you are in a visitation mindset or an habitation mindset? Well, I would suggest that if you are more concerned by having a good behavior and a good Christian morality than loving him, you still have a visitation mindset. If you are more worried about, am I following? Am I a good Christian? Oh, and if you, if you like not pursuing loving him, spending time with him, getting to know him, you are still in a visitation mindset. In an habitation mindset, it's about, you know, focusing on Christ in you, loving him. Loving him. Say, God, you are in, in me. I believe you are in him, in me. And I'm doing life and I'm abiding. We will see a little bit more of that. So now, there's a big change as well for love and f- the fear of punishment. In the Old Testament, because it was about following the rule, I am very fearful God's going to punish me when I'm failing. But in the New Testament, guess what? You are punishable. What did I say? You are unpunishable because the punishment has been put on Jesus. So yes, you were a sinner and you deserve death. Absolutely. But once you come to Jesus, he's taken your punishment and now there's no fear in his perfect love. 
So in the relationship with our God, our Father, we are not fearful he's, not go- he's going to punish us. We know Jesus has done that for us and we're hidden with Christ. So he's taken the punishment. So how do we know if we have the visitation and the habitation mindset in this area? Well, what do you do when bad things happen? Okay? Okay. When bad things happen, like the roof collapse, something happens, your car breaks down, you get sick. Do you wrestle with the idea of, oh, what have I done wrong? Is God punishing me? Because if you're thinking like that, I would suggest you're still in a visitation mindset. Because you're waiting for the punishment of God that he does not want to give you. Yeah? I mean, I know God disciplines us sometimes, okay? So, but I don't believe he punishes you. It's a very different process. Now, sometimes as well, we don't trust is good. So what we do is we take matters in our own hand. So when something goes wrong and you want to take matters in your own hand and fix things for yourself, I would suggest you're still in a visitation mindset rather than in an habitation mindset. Now, when you mess up, because you will mess up and sometimes you will sin, what do you do? Do you run away from God? Or do you come to the throne of grace? Run to him and say, Father, I messed up. What do you do? Run away or go to him? Run away is a visitation mindset because what it is is you convince he's going to punish you. But coming to the throne of grace and say, Father, I need you, forgive me. That's an habitation mindset. Say, so you're with me, you're for me. Come, change me. Yeah? So you see, in terms of intimacy in the Old Testament, it was very little intimacy because uh, God was just generally for his people, the people of Israel, right? Um, then in the New Testament, God has become our father. God has become our father. We are never alone. We sung that. We're never alone because he's found us and he loves us and the Holy Spirit is in us and we adopted the new family. So do you know God loves you? That's how you know you are an habitation of, the, of, of God. Your spirit Christ testifying in you. Abba Father, he loves me. Abba Father. The journey is very different. In the Old Testament, the law was pointing out the necessity for Jesus. In a sense, the whole testimony is like, do you know what? You can't follow the rule. You need a savior. That was the point of the Old Testament. You can't follow the rules. You need a savior. Okay? But the journey in the New Testament is the Holy Spirit is in me, is teaching me. So I align myself with Christ and I'm getting changed from glory to glory, to be more Christ-like. So the mission is not just about being a, a blessing through Israel, which is the Old Testament. The, the mission in the New Testament is to be, you know, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nation. But again, we're not bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to say, you better behave well, you better be good Christian. No, don't sin anymore, don't drink, don't smoke, don't do all that thing. No. We're bringing the gospel of Christ so they will have a relationship with the Father that is good, that Christ will come to completion in them. Can you see the difference? So, let's dig a little bit deeper. 
What does, why does an habitation mindset so much? And I want to dig a little bit deeper. Okay, so first of all, revelation. We have been made brand new. And he has written, sometimes I'm not going to give you the verse, they're here, yeah? So if you want to write it down, it's, for, it's fine. Um, he has written his law in our hearts. That means we have died and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's Colossians 3 verse 3. The law of life in the spirit of Christ is no longer, no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's what has happened. So there's a radical change that has happened in our, in our heart. And there's an inheritance for us as every believer has been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place with Christ Jesus. There's a huge consequences of that. The consequences in, in an habitation mindset, we are not striving to be better. We're not striving. We can't make ourselves be better. But we're trusting the fullness of God. We're trusting the perfection of Christ in us and the finished work of Jesus at the cross. That's the difference. We're not going like, I need to make myself better. I need, no. You, you, we're going, Jesus, I trust you that you're going to bring life to me. I trust you that in this area, I repent. Tra- transform me. Come, help me. Give me keys. I'm going to walk with you for this. So there is great hope for transformation as he is at work within you. He's the one who is working in you. Okay? We don't try to behave well. And then when we fail, we're hoping that he will forgive us. No. What we do is when we fail, we run to the throne of grace knowing he forgives. And we partner with him for transformation. We decide to renew our mind, our mind with him. We believe in his grace. We believe in his faithfulness. The second thing as well is we have been given a greater revelation of God the Father. So in John 14, verse 6 to 14, you could read that at home. But there is really this thing of, you know, the spirit in us cries, Abba, Father. And we are his son and his daughter and he's his father, he's our father. And God's intention is really, really, really clear. He had prophesied that right from the beginning of, even in the whole testament, he had prophesied that I will be a father to you and you will be my son and daughter. Yeah. So that is through the whole Bible. He was coming. I will be, I will be your father. You will be my son and daughters. And we're living in the good of this revelation. So you could read all the verse at home. So the point here is in an habitation mentality, we know it is for us, not against us. There's so many verses I could, I, could, I could read. Roman 8. Okay, nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know all of these. His goodness will never fail. So it's about closeness to God and intimacy with God. We are called to be close to him because he wants to be close to us. He is close to us. Sometimes we just don't realize it. Okay. The, the, another thing as well is we are the dwelling place of God. Okay. We are the place in which the presence of God dwells permanently. 
And it's true of all of us individually, as you can read, that, you know, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, so we give our body to the glory of God. Individually, individually it's true. But there I said it's even more true together. If you read in Ephesians 2, verse 22, it says, And in Christ, we are collective. We are built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. There's a collective call on us as well to be the manifest glory of God. Because, do you know, I have gifts and God has blessed me with some. But I don't have the same than Fiola, and I don't have the same than Maxine, and I don't have the same than Steve, and I don't have the same than Rob, and I don't have, you know, I could name all of you. So together, there is as well a special indwelling of God, His glory manifested. Interestingly as well, it goes both ways, interestingly. In 1 John 2 verse 24, it says that we should abide and remain in him. Some other verse translate that by, we are taking up residence in Jesus and the Father. There's a decision in us to follow him, to abide in him, to say, yes, do you know what? Forever and forever and forever, I will dwell with you. You dwell with me, I will dwell with you. I will reside in the same place that my God the, the consequence for that is huge because it will bring stability in your life. You will never longer wonder, is God with me or not? Because you will know God's presence is, hasn't got a switch on and off button. It's not God is here, God's not here. God is here, God's not here. No. He remains, he is with us. We are his dwelling place forever and ever. It will bring so much um, stability to your life. Now, do you know, sometimes we sing worship song and a very interesting, you know, no worship song is perfect, by the way, because they're written by human people. Sometimes the theology in there, you know, sometimes I have to change words, <laughs> you know, and sometimes they're not, you know, completely, sometimes they convey a sentiment, so he happens. So we have some, some song who sing, you know, God, open up heaven, open up heaven. That's not correct. But, and you know why it's not correct? Because that's an Old Testament psalm verse, okay? And the good news is in the New Testament God has opened the heaven already. That's what Jesus came. That's why when Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple was torn apart from top to bottom. Okay? So, in the New Testament, we have open heaven 100% of the time, all time. So, when we see open up the heaven, it's, slightly incor- it's completely incorrect. So actually, it would be better singing, make me aware that the heaven are open. Because that's what we sing, really, in effect. To say, like, make me aware that the heavens are open. Because you've done it. Why would I ask God to do something he's already done? That's slightly dumb, isn't it? So, yeah, sometimes we pray, come, Holy Spirit, 
Have you noticed? Come Holy Spirit. Well, when we say come Holy Spirit, we're not, we're not saying it was missing. It was not here before. What we mean when we say come Holy Spirit is like we want to, to know he's here in a more tangible way. We want to basically be more aware of his presence. Or sometimes we pray, come Holy Spirit, because what we're saying is we're inviting you, Holy Spirit, to take control of our circumstances. We're inviting you, Holy Spirit, to do what you want. We're agreeing you with your wisdom, Holy Spirit. So we're agreeing and we want more of your reality now. That's what we pray when we say, come Holy Spirit. Yeah? We're not... So it's not visitation mindset if you know in your heart, if you know in your heart you're secure that God is with me and you say, come Holy Spirit. It's just, say, God, I want to be more aware you're in there. God, I want to be more aware you're here. You see what I'm saying? We can pray those prayers as long as we just don't believe that, oh, he was not here and now he's here. Can you see what I'm saying here? The reality is, Nothing can separate us from God. And do you know what? When it feels tough in your life, when circumstances are tough, when you feel sick, when um, darkness comes your way, God has not left your life. It's like when it's tough or the Sunday morning maybe might be a bit quieter. God has not left the building. No. It's just that our awareness of his presence has become lower. That's what's happening. So we are not waiting for a special visitation from God, waiting passively for a special visitation of God. We live in an habitational relationship. That's what Graham Cook said. We live in an habitational relationship with God. It's a relationship. It's ongoing. I know he's in there. He lives in me. So I'm abiding. I'm abiding. Jesus tells us this in John 15. Abide in me and I will abide in you. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. Abide in my love. There's a constant there. Constant there. Of he is with me. I am in him. I am with him. You see, abiding is a funny word, isn't it? How many people read abiding before in their Bible and thought, mm, what does it even mean? Ah, uh-uh. You've never wondered, what does abiding mean? So I went to look up, you know, what does it mean in the dictionary, frankly? And really, the idea of abiding is remaining in a place. Okay? Remaining with a lifelong expectancy that something's going to happen. So I suggest abiding in God is, I am going to stay there in this place with you where your presence is. That's a lifelong decision. I'm expecting to live with my God forever and ever and ever. That's what it means. That's what it means. Graham Cook says, you don't abide casually. You abide with focus. You abide with passion. You abide with a sense of expectancy that is there. 
And do you know what? That's whether you feel it or not feel it. I would say when you don't feel it, it's even more important. You just say to God, no, I trust you. I am abiding. Yeah? Now, another really amazing thing about habitation, it's so important we get that, is when you know that the Spirit is in you and He guides you in all truth, when you know that, you let Him be active in your heart and in your soul, and what happens is it will quicken your maturity. It will quicken because you will be a good listener. Though when God will point something and say, eh, eh, you're still doing this and that's not quite right. And he will be always gentle. Say, eh, eh. He will whisper and he will say, oh God, I, yes, that's true. Father, forgive me. Help me to change. Show me how. Amen. You will change. So you cannot be mature believer if you are not believing in habitation. What you will be is mature children if you believe in visitation. Because if you believe in visitation, I know I've been there and I'm still there sometimes when I lose my way. And you will be more likely to do temper like little children say, Jesus, you have not done what I wanted. I'm going to throw a temper. A temper. That's, what, that's what immature children do. So when you don't get the answer to prayer, you get, you get disappointed. That's normal. But the way you react to God, it could be slightly immature. Is it like basically, you ba- you're basically expecting... That's me because I'm not patient. I'm talking to me. I'm not being harsh on you, honestly. Um, Jesus, you didn't do this, promises, by the time I thought you should have. <laughs> Jesus, I was praying for this. That was 10 years I've been praying for this. What on earth are you doing? Jesus... Um, I have done everything you said I should be doing. And still, I am not feeling well. That's not on. Don't we we think that? Don't we think that? Jesus, I don't know what your timing are, but they're not good, let me tell you. Because I think, by now, you know, you know I love you, so why don't you do what I'm saying? If that's immaturity, guys. We've got to kill it. That's immaturity. Habitation is, Jesus, I really don't understand. But I trust in you. I abide in you. And you are God. And I know you are good. And you are going to come through. And yes, I'm very disappointed about that. And yes, I am broken that this promise has still not happened. But do you know what? Your timing are the timing. So I'm abiding. I am going to stay in this place forever. I am not going to change my position. I'm going to look to you. I believe that maturity will come to you. Revelation will come to you. You will know is God. And I, yes, I believe in the breakthrough. Yes, I believe in the breakthrough. Yes? Now... What is happening when we say we're having an encounter with God? Okay, because there are some moments we, we have a greater revelation with God. What's happening? Because if we, when else, we could say there are mini visitation, right? Okay. I believe when we're having an encounter, 
what is happening is we have an increased awareness of his presence. What is happening is we have an upgrade in our thinking. Suddenly God has shown us more, has given us more. His indwelling presence in us is permanent. He's not gone and suddenly we're more aware. No, what it is is suddenly we, God is giving us this grace to, show, to, to understand more, to, to be aware of more. Now, do I believe that God can visit us for specific things in specific moments? Yeah, of course, of course. Because he's sovereign, he does whatever he wants. Okay, first, and actually I want him to visit us more and more because I rely on him. I mean, he does say uh, in his kingdom, we are not relying on just words, but on the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know that we need his gifts and we know we need uh, gifts of signs and wonder and miracle and illic. All of that are visitation of God amongst us. And I believe that. Like we believe in anointing. Like anointing, what it is, is an increased measure of how we function in God's presence. We believe that. We believe he can entrust us with more. So I believe that God can come and visit us. I believe that. But you see, I believe in visitation in an habitation mindset. That means I know he's always there, but I can get more. I can get more awareness. Can you see the difference? Yeah? Now, in those moments when he visits, the result will be that I have a fuller reality of his presence. So actually, these little moments of visitation, the purpose of them is for me to have a greater revelation of habitation in me, of habitation in us. Among us. Can you see that? So when somebody is healed, I say, wow, God is with us. Do you know what? He heals today. And I know if I can pray, he will, he will heal again. So I have a greater revelation of his in us. So visitation leads me to believe more for habitation. Can you see that? That he is with me. God, Emmanuel, with us. Uh, it's interesting, like for example, a few years back there was the Toronto Blessing, okay, it's a little, kind of a mini revival. The revelation out of the Toronto Blessing was the Father's heart of God and how we have a, a, an identity, you know, an identity in Christ, which is we are sons and daughters. That's the, really the big change that came out of the, the Toronto Blessing. Well, guess what? That fresh revelation leads you to have more intimacy with Jesus. So you're more clear on your habitation mindset. You're more clear on who you are. You, your rights as son and daughter. Your inheritance. So from a place of habitation, this is very important. From a place of habitation, I'm not sure I'm putting that in a... No, I didn't, so it's okay. Do you know what? From a place of habitation, you can also bring the visitation. Oh, what am I saying there? Um, did he not say, if you abide in him and he abides in you, ask whatever you want and I will be doing that. So from a place of habitation, us together in him, we can ask for a visitation and he will give us. So can you see habitation leads to visitation? I, I'm, I'm thinking there, 
um, about Bill Johnson, he often say things like, I'm not praying for a revival, I'm having one. <laughs> Can you see the difference, the shift there? Do you know what? I'm having one because I know Christ is in me. And I'm walking with him. So I know that because of that intimacy, it's not just because I'm powerful and I'm, you know, blowing trumpets and I'm really loud. No, that's out of this place of intimacy with God, knowing that I'm dwelling in, in him and he's dwelling in me. Yeah, that actually I know I can ask him and I can pray for things and God will come. Yeah. So to conclude. An habitation around set is going to change the way we think as a community so profoundly because we will be so much more confident in the promises of the gospel for us. Asking for an habitation mindset for our church is like asking to, to be more aware of his presence in us at all time, all time. It's being quicker and believing God is here, ready to save, ready to heal. It's growing in maturity faster. And you know, whatever life will throw at us. Wonder Woman. I'm just thinking, what's what she got? Has she got a... What's Wonder Woman? She's got a special thing, yeah? Oh, I didn't imagine. Yes, whatever life goes for at us. Sorry, the funny moment. But you will be able to say, no, do you know what? God, God's, God has got this. He's got this. All right? It's as well stopping praying the thing we should be doing and start doing those things with faith. Faith. So, for example, um, uh, if I start to say, Jesus, 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 please, 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 heal me, heal, heal this person. Actually, Jesus said, go and heal the sick. So, what Jesus said is, with me, in you, you can heal the sick. Do it. Ask them who. So it takes a little bit of faith and risk and stepping out and say, yeah, you're with me. You're with me. I'm going to heal the sick now. I'm not begging God to heal the sick. I'm healing the sick. Can you see the difference? Uh, uh, if you have um, a neighbor and you say, whoa, Jesus save my neighbor, Jesus save my neighbor, Jesus save my neighbor. But you never show an act of kindness. You never represent Jesus to them. He said, go and make disciple. Yeah. So with him, you know, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. In, in the empowerment of Christ, in the fullness of Christ in us, we are going and doing those things. So I guess I want to land and say, we want to raise our level of expectation of what our God can do and what we can do in him when we are abiding in his love. And when we are aware of his presence 